Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. Uh, and of course, like every time on this Vuelta 2023, and mostly all podcasts actually, we are with Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm very good, my friend. Uh, it, look, uh, gee, here we are. Can you believe it? We're at the end of the season, third and final Grand Tour. It's hard to believe, but they whiz around quickly, and what a grand tour it was. Absolutely, and then we always knew, we always knew that this Vuelta was, uh, was going to deliver somehow. Uh, we didn't know exactly uh, what could happen, and that's the, the beauty of a grand tour. But we've got a winner, Sepkus. Uh, who would have thought three weeks ago that we could have another American winner for a grand tour? Things that didn't happen for such a long time, 10 years actually. It's fantastic for the sport. We'll debate about this. It's fantastic for, for us, the media. It's fantastic for the public. And it's fantastic for Sepkus. Yeah, well, that's it. And, and especially that, as you say, the, the last bit. I mean, we can, we can be selfish and say about all the reasons we think it's good. But ultimately for him, how special is it? Chris Horner was the last guy to win a Grand Tour for America. And it was at the Vuelta. Um, but Tsepkus is a popular winner and, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I ask you, the listener and, and you, Christoph, but I know your answer, um, put your hand up if you didn't want Tsepkus to win. I think we all wanted him to win. He, he's, that, he's that classic super domestique. So he, he, almost the, the role that he's played for most of his career um, has given him this popularity vote, you know, the, the popular vote sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, but it didn't come without its drama. So I think we need to delve, we need to delve into the politics of, you know, his team, Yamba Visma, and, and what our take is on, you know, did he, did, was he the strongest guy in the race or was, did his two teammates let him win? You know, there'll be debate about it, no doubt. But ultimately, for me, I'm really happy that Kuss won. Yeah, first of all, uh, I don't think I've seen a guy smile this much since probably Ricardo in Formula One. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He's got a good smile too, Kuss. And it's, you know what? It's a good smile because it's sincere. It's a real smile. It's genuine, and that and that's why we like him. Yeah, hundred percent. And but 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 when we look at exactly what you mentioned, what happened in the last week or so, uh, and what you know, in in our last podcast, we were asking, can he do it physically? We were asking, is he strong enough to to hold this uh, this GC in him? Well, the truth is, yes, he was. Uh, but also the politics inside that team. When we look back, and that's uh, people that follow me on social media, I got a little bit angry on social media this week. But on did the support you? of Sepkus, yes, I did, I did because, and I, when I watched the, the 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 stages, I could not believe my eyes that Vingegaard would attack. The Roglic attack, I understood a bit more. Uh, what I didn't understand is why Vingegaard uh, went on and followed Roglic on that day. But ultimately, what I didn't like is the fact that their closest opponent was four minutes behind and they were attacking each other. There was absolutely no need to attack each other unless there was a real fight within the team. And all of a sudden, it stopped. The, the, yeah. the Hornets went back to the nest and protected yeah. Sepkus as the leader. So at some point, and that's why I'm asking you, Maka, in, this, in, in the ins and outs of a, of a team, was there a chat, do you think? Was there a discussion of, of money, of uh, roles for next year? Because ultimately what this was important for, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but it's also the decision of who is the leader of Jumbo Visma 
going forward? You know, who, who like if he was Vingegaard winning this, I think Vingegaard actually has probably established himself as the one and only leader, true leader based on force and form at, uh, at the Jumbo Visma. What's your take on it? What happened in these last f three, four days on that matter? Yeah, well, well, I think there's a couple of things. I think ultimately, yeah, and 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 there's this, there being no surprises to most people here that, you know, Roglic and Vingegaard are winners and and competitors themselves, and we know that because, you know, Roglic has won three Vueltas, Vingegaard has won two Tour de France's, and they want to win. Suddenly, they find themselves in a position where. Their number one helper, you know, their, their key lead-out man is leading the race. And the only person that they have to attack to win the race, to beat, to, to win the, the Vuelta, is their own teammate. And it's the guy who's been their most loyal lieutenant. So it's a tricky situation. And it, it took a few days for them to sink in. Do you know what I mean? Like in, in their head, in their own bubble, they were feeling they were the strongest. Vingegaard yes. thinking... I'm at the end of this season and I can win this. In the head, as a winner, is yeah. like, I can win this, but I've got this yeah. dilemma of yeah. I can't. I can, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, and I think, look, I think ultimately, I think, I think first and foremost, team management probably never envisaged that they'd have their two leaders in Roglic and Vingegaard and then their ultimate, you know, super domestique, top three, leading the top three in the overall, that, that's the perfect scenario, obviously. They never thought they'd have this problem. So suddenly mm -hmm. the problem occurred, but the problem with the problem was that it wasn't one of their team leaders. It was their domestique. They didn't know how to deal with the situation. And then I think maybe, maybe it's been a little bit of social media pressure From to, towards management, or maybe not. I don't know. We'll, we'll never know that answer, and they'll never admit to it. But I think ultimately, management, um, you know, pulled pulled rank and pulled Vingegaard aside, pulled Roglic aside, and said, "Hey guys, this guy, Sepp Kuss, you know, remember him? He's the guy who has helped you win the last six Grand Tours. This guy." That's right, the guy yeah. that was the last rider in the mountains to drop you off right high in the Alps, high in the Pyrenees, high in the, high in the Dolomites. He's the guy that has been by your side through thick and thin, through rain, hail and shine. How about you just support him? And, you know, so ultimately, Sepkos will go down as a popular winner and look, there'll be, there'll be some people that will say, oh, the strongest guy should have won and Kuss wasn't the strongest. Guess what he was? He was the strongest. Yeah. And, and you yeah. can argue as much as you want, but I can guarantee you of the six grand tours that Kuss has helped his two, his two leaders win, there were probably a couple of days that Kuss could have got the better of them, but of course he wouldn't because he's a teammate. So... This is the, this is the three week tour where they had to support him, and I think I think ultimately now they're happy, and it's sunk in that hey, we're supporting the guy that has a, absolutely devoted his his career to us. So mm -hmm. you know, and I think they're happy for it. I, th I genuinely think they're happy for it. I, I think there's also a difference between uh, Vingegaard and um, and Roglic when you think about it. Roglic came in as the leader that will 
that was set to win this Vuelta because he didn't do the Tour de France. Vingegaard was a bit of a late calling, a bit of a question, why are you here? Is he, is he here because he's in form or is he here to just nail, uh, nail the, the teammateship with, uh, with Roglic? We never thought of Kuss at, the, at that time. So of the two of them, which one do you think is the more feeling jibbed today? If there was one that could have won, this was programmed for a win by Roglic. And in the end, yeah. the, code was, yeah. the, the code was changed and the result yeah. is not a win by Roglic. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation because I think, I, I think we talked, well, we definitely talked about this in our last pod, but, you know, on reflection now, the race is done, it's won, it's over. Chris is the winner. I think I said in the last pod that, and I'll even reinforce it now, that to me, there, there's a, there seems to be a better, a better synergy and a, a more, a stronger friendship with Kuss and Roglic mm-hmm. compared to Kuss and Vingegaard. And I'm not saying Kuss and Vingegaard don't like each other, but it's a more business-like relationship. Whereas I feel that they're just from, you know, those cameras that went backstage, the green room that we saw, and and we would get the audio of that live on TV. You all saw it. And, and you can all have your own opinion. But to me, there was a genuine affection and, and real friendship and mateship between Kuss and, and Roglic. And Vingegaard and Kuss was like, hey, well done, pat on the back, good job, yep, yep, cool, mate, well done. Hey, sorry I had to attack, but I just felt so good and, you know, I had to attack. And that was Vingegaard to Kuss, I think, when he won on the Tourmalet. You know, and he, he devoted that to the win to his daughter. And then the next two days later or whatever, he, he devoted that to his teammate. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. Are you making excuses to devote wins to someone because you want to attack and take time on your, you know, your teammate here? I mean, it was there really was so much fun. So much fun if you followed on social media, uh, because the next next day, I think the Friday or whenever, I can, I'm a bit blur in time, but it was Sepkut's birthday, and we all thought, is Vingegaard going to attack and win and dedicate his win to <laughs> Sepkut for his birthday? You know, uh, it's, oh, I, I can only imagine the memes. It's, I mean, I mean, look, look. At the end of the day, they're all competitors, and even Sepkut, you know, he's a competitor. Let's face it. But, the, you know, I think we need to delve into now also the, the importance of this victory. And, I, and what I, I guess what I mean by that is the fact that he's American. Actually, for, for you, before we go into the American side of the, of the win, uh, because I, I think it's a, a very important moment in time for the sport, if it's managed well, but we'll talk about this. Uh, but before this, let's also remind ourselves that Sepkus has rode those three Grand Tours this year. Up to the end, yes. he started them. He emptied the tank in them, in all of them, and yep. and he, he and he finished them because it wasn't an easy feast to help Roglic to the win at the Giro. Let's remember that it wasn't an yeah, easy yeah. feast necessarily to help Vingegaard winning the Tour de France this year. We remember that you and I were on the road of it, and yeah. now he's here. And technically, you could almost say maybe physically. It probably wasn't the f- easiest to do the Vuelta, but it's a different kind of effort for someone like Kuss, where he was um, um, used to empty the tank differently. But the the result of it, it's an incredible moment in time. It's never been done in the history of our sport, where 
someone that's wrote the three grand tours, I think, correct me wrong, someone that yeah. wrote the three grand tours that year actually win one. Yeah, and, you know, the, the yeah, I, I, look, I think you're right, and, and I'll have to throw that to, you know, Maddie Keenan or someone else, because um, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think there's an athlete that, that's done it. And, you know, the important part of this is, I suppose, of that stat, if you like, is that it's the third Grand Tour that he's won. You know, you could argue that he wins the Giro and then he plays domestique for the next two. And, you know, and and you can say, well, he's not at the top of his game because he won the first one. Whereas he, he's, he's worked his butt off for two teammates. They've won both Grand Tours and then he wins the third one. And on top of that, they become, to our knowledge, the first team in the history of the sport to win all three Grand Tours by three different riders in the same yeah. year. So it, there's a number of historical moments, you know, in this victory. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And they missed a trick. They missed a trick because I said it again on social media, but Vingegaard in Madrid should have ridden his yellow bike and Roglic should have ridden his pink bike. Ooh. And then they would have had a red bike for him. I know they had jerseys. They played around with photos and stuff, but yes, that yes. would have been so beautiful to have this photo of the three of them riding. Maybe they will. They, but they didn't. <laughs> so. Well, well, no, no. I reckon, you know what? I, I like your idea, but I think respect of Walter and have the yellow. Have, they're, they're, surely they've got to do a yellow, pink, and red bike as a they, photo shoot. They did a photo. They did, they did a photo with the shirts before. Yeah, the shirts but was I cool. The, that was cool. Yeah. But I thought that would have been nice to have them riding on that day. Nothing stops them to ride them a, a different color true, bike, you know. True, true. Uh, the, yeah. it, it stops them on the jersey. They can't ride the jersey, of course, but they could ride the, the bike. Uh, yeah. So maybe I'm a, maybe I'm just a, a dreamer, a romantic. Uh, oh, you are. Let's I mean, it's cool. It's good to be, it's good to dream. It's good to dream. You know, Walter Mitty. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually. Uh, Watch the film again on the plane, by the way. That's a different segue. But, uh, oh, it's actually, a great you movie. You didn't know, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Sepkus, let's talk about him uh, quickly. And what yep. does that do to the sport? You mentioned it 10 years ago. We had an American winner. The sport yep. didn't really de uh, develop more in the US because of it. This time, it's a bit different because Sepkus is very charismatic. He's very good for the media. Uh, He's likable. What? Yeah. It's likable, exactly, uh, which has not always been the case with American winners. We're not going to go there, but we know this as a, as a, as a yeah. fact. Um, but what, what can we do as the media? What can the sport do to make sure that we bank on this and the sport uh, grows just even a bit more in the US on the back of the Netflix series? Uh, mm. I mean, Netflix must be licking their lips at the next year's Tour de France season that they are going to do. Because they're coming in with a guy that has won a Grand Tour, and we know Netflix's major goal is also to grow this sport in the US. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to answer your question, I guess it's I'll answer it with a question initially. That is the million-dollar question. How do how do we as a sport capitalize on it? And that that is a question in all seriousness. Like, I'm not sure. So I'll go back to the question itself and the importance of of Kuss winning and an American winning. And, you know, I say he's likable. Actually, he's more than likable. I think he's loved. He's lovable. He, he's, he, lovable. He, he, he's lovable. People already love him. We love him, don't we? Yeah. He, he, he's a real gentleman. He's a real, you know, it's like nothing ever stresses him, you know, and in, and in, in his 
in his short time, and I say short because it's only really in the last few years that he's become this super domestique, you know, and he's been catapulted sort of into the spotlight as a super domestique, and now he wins. So we we like, oh wow, you, you know, you're you're this amazing guy. So what's important about him winning is that, as you said. The American road scene has really dropped off. There's no tour of California. There's no tour of Georgia. All, all, a lot of these stage races that were big 10, 15 years ago, they no longer exist. Ironically, the gravel scene is sort of huge in the US at the mm-hmm. moment. And, and that's great. That's great for cycling. That's great for sport. It's great for anything on two wheels, I think. But we do need the road scene to pick up. So now what do we need? Like, what do we want to happen in the road scene? If we had a wish list, my wish list would be we need a couple of stage races to come back in the States. We need, and stage races meaning one week tours and maybe a big one day race. And then mm. the other one, which is damn obvious, but I'll say it anyway, it's the corporate dollars. The sport yep. globally needs the corporate bucks. And, you know, it's coming from from um, uh, the Middle East at the moment. We know that. A lot of it's coming from the Middle East. And that, let's face it, and let's be honest, that comes with its own sort of layer of uh, controversy. Yeah. But um, we need the dollars from America, and it's there. The so dollars in that, are in there. that sense, in that sense, and I think this is where, the, 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 the for me, the dilemma is, Sepkus, I think, I truly believe Sepkus needs to leave Jumbo Visma and go uh, we in a dreamland move to an american team uh, like an ef based sort of thing yeah, uh, yeah. i'm going to say little trek i know little trek they're not american but they've got this american vibe yes, a- around yeah. them uh, I-, I think he needs to mo- to do this but being so nice and now being a gc winner that's probably not going to happen because he's, 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 he will feel that he, des- uh, he deserves to give back what he's got from yombo visma so d- do you think Sepkus needs or will or should leave Jumbo Visma on the back of this win and not on the bad terms but to look after his career certainly for the sport if he becomes a leader at EF look at, when you think this team could not be cooler they would straight away be even cooler with someone like him within their ranks no? Yeah I mean I'll tell you what I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on the fact that I think if he's going to leave Jumbo Visma the only team he should leave for is EF. Yeah. For, for the obvious fact that they're an American team and it would create this You're telling me hype. you don't see my total energies? <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Pretty much. I love it how you say that with some real sarcasm. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, he's not going to leave, is he? He's on big dollars at Yumbo, no exactly. doubt. He, he, you know, he's on a good wicket. He's even won a grand tour as a super domestique. So what could be better for him at Yumbo Visma? Almost nothing. So the only yeah. reason he would leave is that EF, you know, Jonathan Vorders, the t- general manager, rings up Sepp and says, mate, I've got a new sponsor that is coming on board for $5 million if you sign with us and you're going to new get two American sponsor. That's he, right. He, he plays the flag. He plays the flag. Exactly. So, so actually, the question should be is not about what Sepp Kuss will do. The question should be almost, what's Jonathan Vorder's going to do 
Exactly. Or and and other aspiring American general managers or wannabe general managers of pro teams, what are they going to do now to capitalise on the victory of Sepp Kuss? Because if you know a, a, anyone like Jonathan Vorders now should be putting their thinking cap on into overdrive and with their little marketing team going, okay, how are we going to get some US corporate dollars? Because it's yeah. not he's not even on our team, but he's an American. And we love America and we love flying the flag. So how are we going to get more dollars? That's the question really yeah. for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Team America is another movie I need to watch. Team America. You. There you go. <laughs> love it. But, but we, know, we know they can be patriotic at times. And I know something I was thinking. Well, when play I that card. They've got to play that card, don't they? That's the only way, that's the only way a team like EF could actually have a mm. sniff at it. You know, mm. that's, that's the only way. Uh, uh, but what I was going to say is, uh, and that's a bit controversial, but when you look at all the qualities that someone Sepkus has, he, he probably deserves one thing, is to be Australian. I love it. Hey, I'll let you no. say that. Um, and I'll agree with you, but no, no, he, he, look, he's lovable. He really is. And I know we've said it already, and it's not, and it's not sort of, you know, jumping on this set bandwagon, that he is, he is really liked and, You know, I think we've both interviewed him or spoken to him at, at the tour, Tour de France. Yep. He, he's genuine. And what you see is what you get. And those interviews that we've seen over the last three weeks with him, they're real. And I think most people see that. They see that nothing's fake about Sepp Cook. Not that, yeah. you know, not that anything's fake with uh, Jonas Vingegaard or Primoz Roglic or, uh, or whatever. In, well, you look at the interviews, probably, like I'm going to say this, but... Go back and look at the or listen to the interviews from Jurgen from Vingegaard. Everything's fine. It's always fine. Like it's the same interview. You can, uh, and, you can cut and paste the interviews, mate. Roglic is a bit the same. True. It's, it's a bit more lovely. But someone like Vingegaard, you can cut and paste the interviews. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the nuances, and maybe maybe it's you know they're in there. I mean, to be to be fair to to Vingegaard and Roglic, they're talking in their second language. You know, it's this, you know, and you know that, you know that. It's not an excuse. Uh, it is not an excuse. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and only, and I actually, you can say that more than me. So, um, but yeah, it is. Look, it's, it's, uh, and, and actually just, just to sort of, I guess, round out that conversation about the whole, you know, the Yumbo Visma debate about, you know, who was going to win and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you know, the old, the old saying, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it was great. I was sitting back for a period in the last, especially in the last four days, thinking it's got people talking, it's got people debating, <laughs> it's got people arguing about who should win the Vuelta, who should work for who. And so it was. You know, great if for they the would sport. have packed it in, yeah, and if they would have packed it in seven days ago, we would have been the first one going. This is boring. This is exactly. boring. Nothing's happening. They just yeah. pack it in. So. You yeah, don't please us. That's right. No, no, that's right. That's right. So, in anything, they've given us some entertainment for the last four or five yeah. days. <laughs> uh, something that was specific, uh, fantastic as well overnight that win by Caden Groves. Three win in a Grand Tour. The green jersey solidifies it. Uh, he wins it outright. Uh, we we absolutely love Caden Groves as well. He's, uh, he's such a good, uh, same same sort of guy that got his, uh, his heart on a, on his hand uh, kind kind of guy. But how fantastic it is for him to win in Madrid, to win the first stage in the Vuelta. Uh, I know the feed wasn't enormous, but. It, that boost of confidence that would give someone like Caden Groves, not being in an Australian team as well, let's remember, uh, that, that's fantastic for him. It is, it's huge. I mean, you know, and I think, um, yeah, 
you know, we can sort of look back. If you look back at the whole year, you can say Groves is slightly under the radar. He's won mm-hmm. four Grand Tour stages this year. Four Grand Tour stages. Three in the World yeah. Tour, one in the Giro, you know, on a team with Jasper Philipson and Matthew Vanderpoel. So we, we know his opportunities on the grand stage were, you know, were, were always going to be limited when you're on a team like that. But, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool that he won the final stage. I, I sort of thought he had it in him. I mean, there was – after he won those first two, um, quite early on, in fact, we were all predicting three or four victories. You know, he got three in the end, but there were two or three that he missed. And mm. you thought, gee, is it going to go missing? But what he did do, he focused also, after his two-stage wins, he focused on the green. So he started then really going for the intermediates. And, you know, he, I think he knew that, okay, I've got two wins. Now I should focus on the green. And if nothing else, you know, by the end, I've got two two-stage wins and a green. And he's the first Australian in the history of the Vuelta to win the green jerseys or, or, the, or the points classification, you know, since it ever began. So, I mean, that's massive in itself, you know, for Australian cycling and for an Australian cyclist to be the very first. Because we've just about done everything in cycling. We've won the Tour de France. There's only one jersey missing. There's only one jersey missing now. There was there is one. only one. Yeah, there, there is that one. is true. There's only one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you want me to say it or, or do you want me to do the drum I don't think roll? we need to. I don't think we need to. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening at home and you're now... scratching your head going, what is he talking about? I'm with you. Yeah. I'm sort of like, what's the Frenchman's gone a bit weird. It's early morning. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> He's the king of the mountain in the Tour de France. Never been won by an Australian uh, in, in the race. So that's the only one missing, mate. All the others have been won. No, no, you're right, though. I, I look... I'm I'm jumping on the the TDF polka dot bandwagon. <laughs> he only took three years. Aussie, he only Aussie took three years, you. but <laughs> yeah, it's taken a while. It's taken a while, but I'm on board. I'm on board. No, no, no. Someone we need to mention now. Yeah, so Kenan Grove, fantastic. It's it's just a a good as well, a, a good guy, a good win for the sport. And we had a good number of Australians going into this Vuelta, but we always knew that okay, the yeah. one was ultra competitive for win stages could could have happened. We knew Kenan Grove was at the forefront of it, and he delivered. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did, and yeah, flew the flag well for the Aussies. So well done. And last and not least, but of course, we got to talk about Remco. Remco had one bad day, one spectacular bad day. He lost uh, trucks and trucks of time, but what a rebound. Uh, the next day, left all the negativity around and went on the attack and won that stage with Bardet. But overall, three-stage win for Remco. He also is the king of the mountain. So it's not a bad tour for him. It's not a bad Vuelta. Of course, it's worse than last year because he's won it. Yeah. How do you think he's feeling today? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean... From if if we if we go back a step further and to the very start when you know the the, the rain soaked teams time trial in Barcelona, you know there was controversy. It was dark. It was it was you know riders were saying it was too dangerous. And Rem, Remco was the most vocal, you know. And then he, he got the lead early on, and he was very vocal and and criticised a lot. Remember he, he went across the line and hit the hit the um the journalist or the the. Yeah, you know, the, I think I think actually she was. It was a woman that was um, from the police. Yeah, yeah, from the police. Yeah, and you know they had barriers a hundred meters after the line, and he was critical of that. And and look, I got to admit, 
I, I was going a little bit negative against Remco in my head. I was sort of like, oh, mm-hmm. mate, you're just you're whinging. You're whinging. You're a superstar that's on you know two or three million euros a year, and you just want to whinge about everything like you're the one who's you know the worst off in in the peloton. Yet there's guys that you're racing against that are on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, you know, busting the gut, mm. surviving, and they get not, a grip. That's right. That's right. Get a grip. So that was sort of my mindset. But to fast forward to your point of him, you know, completely capitulating on the Tourmalet stage, losing 20 plus minutes and then rebounding the next day and winning. And I loved his interview post that. And he just said, you know, I had a terrible sleep. I didn't sleep much. Um, And then I got up in the morning and thought, oh, God, this is, you know, terrible. And then I just told myself, come on. Just go out and give it everything. And he just, he talked like an amateur cyclist, you know, trying to win his first bike race. And mm-hmm. I think I think it reminded us all that he's actually just a really a young guy still. You know, he's a superstar, but he's actually really just a young guy. He's married. He's already been world champion twice. He's won a grand tour, but he's still a young man at heart. And, and let's that's also what we want to remember see. one thing which... And it's something I wanted to really mention here as well. His wife is from Morocco, and we know that Morocco got devastated. I by did not the know that. Where, yeah, she's she's originally from Morocco. Oh and, wow! And you didn't hear him. You you heard him mention it and so and so on, but that must have affected him because he's got he, he actually has a personal relationship deep down with the people of Morocco. He loves that country. He goes there quite often, uh, and we know the earthquake had, had so many deaths. That also something that probably has affected him mentally as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. So, no, no. The, and I and I think what you want to see with with superstars of any sport, you know, um, the real human side. You want to see that they're actually vulnerable. You want to see that they're real, not that they're this. You know, I think we're sick of seeing this stereotype sort of robotic sports athlete that mm-hmm. doesn't crumble, that doesn't falter, that's that you know, doesn't give away much emotion. And not that he hasn't, he has. But what we don't want to see also is a an athlete on, you know, three million euros a year who is complaining. Um and, and yeah. you know what, the reality is he had a right to complain about the things that he didn't. So I think maybe I'm being a little bit precious about, you know, wanting wanting this this athlete that, that the athlete that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um but ultimately no I think I think you know, he proved that he's actually, he's more than a superstar. He's a racer. And, you know, yeah. the chips were down. He could have pulled out. And I, I would not have been surprised if he had have pulled out, you know, due to fatigue. It's been a long season. And actually everyone would have gone, fair enough. But he didn't, he raced on and he went, I'm here to race. I'm here to race hard. And, you know, picked up two stages. Uh, just to conclude, though, imagine imagine the the ear said, or if he did, because he pulled out of the 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 Giro with COVID after race day one, and that's the only two Grand Tours he's done this year. Oh, he would have copped it in the Belgian press. Just a bit, yeah, just a bit, because they are reshaping the whole team around him. They are investing so much in him. Imagine this. I don't think he could have have pulled out because of that as well. That must have played a. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would, have, it would have played on his mind a little bit, 100%. And, and that was sort of what came out in the interview. He didn't say that 
Exactly, but he said, you know, I, I didn't sleep much, and he said I had all these negative thoughts. So he, he actually, you know, he, he, he said, you know, he basically said in the interview, I'm vulnerable, you know. I don't always yeah. think, I'm, I'm not always that confident thinking I'm going to dominate the world cycling. He was like, I've got negative thoughts, I slept terribly, blah, 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 and then wins the next day. I mean, that's just, that's class. And from that moment on, I was just like, you know what, kid? you're a superstar and let's just celebrate you for what you are. And, you know, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit like Pogacar. And I think, you know, yeah. you know what, I think, I think there's a little bit of Pogacar that rubs off onto guys like Remco. You know, they're just like, wow, the Pogs, you know, he, he's like indestructible. But even when he's losing, yeah. he, he just puts a smile on his face and says, oh, I was just beaten, but I'm going to come out and attack the hell out of Jonas Vingegaard tomorrow, no matter what. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a it's refreshing. It's really refreshing. Yeah, the only thing I don't want to see is uh, Vingegaard or Remco starting to rap. You know that I don't want to see. No, <laughs> That's we don't, thing you don't want to see. No, is no. That, I think. no, 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 no just, yeah. <laughs> okay, Maka, it's it's the end of the season. It's the end of this podcast. It's not the end of the season for this podcast because we'll carry on pretty much weekly until uh, until the end of the year and until the, the season picks up again. Uh, because there's also so much we can do, and we'll try to talk to the cyclists, try to the uh, the team directors to to go a bit deeper into the sport, uh, preparing for something that I don't know you, but it's Monday morning here in Australia, and I'm already licking my lips for 2024 so am i but you know just as a just as a a, um, a, a promo for the next pod because it'll, it'll be around that time we've still got one monument to go lombardia i know <laughs> and guess what my friend guess what you know where i am right now i know you're in italy <laughs> I'm, I'm in i'm actually in lombardia so we've got one hey. monument to go i actually sadly i won't be at that monument but it's pretty cool that we got one monument to go, and so that that could be our next uh, pod, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Maka, and thank you for all your presence over, over those three Grand Tours. It's been very different from Italy to France to Spain, uh, but I think you and I have covered it uh, in our own ways, and I hope the public enjoyed it. and And your presence is always uh, it's always uh, it's always grateful, even though we had to do it from corners of the world each other we just swap places <laughs> I'm, <laughs> we, in, I'm in australia and then you're in italy <laughs> i know we've, we've swapped places in the last two weeks that's for sure but no no thank you my friend it's been good and hey as you say it's not over the season is close to being over but it's not over and there's always plenty to talk about so look forward to the next one absolutely thank you Maka. this is this, or this was the uh, sbs cycling podcast until next time it's bye for now 